welcome to the nerd party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop. Punch it. Punch that shit. Let's punch it. Hello, everybody at home, and welcome to Punch It. This is episode 38. I am your host, Tristan Riddell, and with me for the first time on this show is... John Mills! That's right, John Mills. He is the co-host of Aggressive Negotiations, Great Shot Kid, both shows that you can find on the network at thenerdparty.com. And you know where else you can find his shows. You can find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thenerdparty. You can also talk to him and everybody else on the network on Twitter at join nerd party john it is so great to have you on i love podcasting with you it's always pure candy wow that's that that's a high compliment and right back at you i i enjoy sitting in this chair and uh it for me it's a real treat because recently i got to uh share a chair with uh char over on stage nine over on trek fm and now i get to sit down with you i'm I'm more than thrilled, and actually, we did a, an episode of Great Shot Kid not long ago, so uh, this is this has uh, really been an eventful month for us. This is one of the benefits of, of of being on the Nerd Party, is that we always kind of envisioned it this way, that we would have this pool of people that if someone needed to bow out or drop out, then just somebody else would jump in. Like, I was subbing in for Schindler, and you're subbing in for Char, and uh, we do that all the time on filibuster, and we it's just all over the place, and it's just a lot of fun to have this much talent all over the place and all over the globe, really. So today on Punch It, I actually, you know what? Before we get into the topic of today, before okay. we, I, I'm going to tease the listeners a little bit more. This is something that I have not talked about on Nerd Nuptial. I haven't talked about it on Punch It. We haven't talked about it on filibuster. We didn't even talk about it on, on Great Shot Kid. But you and I met. For the first time, not that long ago. Oh my gosh, you're right. Yes, we keep... <laughs> it's funny how we haven't talked about that yet. But yes, uh, you you became actually the first remote podcasting chum that I uh, met in person, like ever. I didn't know that. Yeah, you were the, you were the first person I, I, I interacted with in the flesh. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. Uh and just so everybody knows, my uh, my children still remember Mr. Riddell. <laughs> well, I love your family, so I'm glad that they like me. Uh, you know, I, I will say that, um, you know, recently I, I did have a birthday, and one of the things I reflected on was how special the last 12 months have been. And meeting you was, you know, among those special moments, because you always have that reflective moment on your birthday where you're like, wow, a year has passed. What's happened? It's pretty pretty wild, man. One thing that you and I connected on, on a very deep level, was Star Wars. Yes. And I love talking Star Wars, because for four years straight, all I did was talk about uh, Star Trek. And so <laughs> I jump at the opportunity to talk anything Star Wars, and you are definitely a, je- a, a self-proclaimed Jedi Master on aggressive negotiations, which again, yeah. you can find at thenerdparty.com. So in Punch It style, since this is a writing and pop culture podcast one of Shar and i's favorite things to do is write a story on the fly so john what we're going to do today is uh this is your idea this was 100 percent your idea and i have not thought about it since uh which is also in our custom is to just fly off the handle erase the whiteboard 
and just go with it. We're going to write a Star Wars standalone movie from the get-go. No, like I have no concepts in my head. I didn't have anything pre-written. This is all off the cuff. This is all improvised. And boom. So let's just go ahead and start. So what we already have in standalones is Rogue One. Yes. Which is stealing the Death Star plans. Mm -hmm. We're going to get... The next one is going to be Han Solo. And uh, yeah, we're definitely getting Han Solo. And then maybe we're getting Boba Fett. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, like it hasn't been confirmed or anything like that. So I say we're taking Boba Fett off the table. And I think yeah. because it's been talked to death, we should take Obi-Wan off the table. I agree. I was actually thinking about that uh, while we were firing up where, you know, I was like, oh, I wonder what we'll talk about. And I... I'm just going to say I agree with you. The Obi-Wan movie, there are already enough theories out there. They're already, you know, I, I mean, I've talked about it on other forums, as have you. Yeah, let, yeah. let's let Obi-Wan be Obi-Wan. And, I, you know, and, and on another level, let's not jinx it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> let's just keep hoping against hope. I know. I'm, I'm very much one of those people who are just like, give it to me. Give it to me now. Give it to yeah. me soon while Ewan McGregor still wants to do it. Yep. Uh but yeah, so we're going to move on from that. I've always kind of had that question. Like, I've actually talked about this with my wife, aka the girl on Nerd Nuptial, and where we've talked about what we kind of wanted out of a standalone film. And we talked about different possibilities and what there could be. And one thing that always kind of fascinates me is, do you think the people are ready for a film that's not connected to something that we've previously seen? You know, like with Han Solo, obviously, mm -hmm. you know, that's a major character. And with Rogue One, it was stealing the Death Star plans. That's the key to the 1977 film. Yep. And, you know, uh, Boba Fett, fan favorite because of the armor. And he has five lines in the original trilogy. Uh, and Isn't then Obi-Wan. if you count, ah, 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 when he's going <laughs> to the Sarlacc pit? I think, I think that might be the case. If you, or was if that ad-libbed? Did, it, like, did they? Did, did was that not in the script? And they just ad libbed that in, in post production. They're like, ah, make them scream. <laughs> yeah, that definitely sounds like the sound effect, like a a, a Wilhelm scream yeah. or so, something along those lines. It sounds kind of like Ben Burt, honestly. <laughs> I I would love to find out if that is Ben Burt. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, all main characters, main storylines, and so you know, like a lot of people have theorized. Okay, well, you know, if we're going to continue to get standalone films they need to be connected like they 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 need to be like oh we're gonna get like a princess leia storyline or we're gonna get with like a story with the bothans or something or, or something along those lines or, or we're gonna get a wedge storyline do you think the people are ready for a story that is completely separate from the skywalker saga the death star saga the emperor the rebellion do you think that we they could handle a movie? Do you think Disney would be able to sell a movie that's in the Star Wars universe but disconnected from those storylines we know and love? Yes, if. I think that if they're going to do that, if they were to decide to do that, they could divorce it from that those main plot lines, I think, so long as they had a lightsaber in it. You need to have some piece of the iconography mm -hmm. that is undeniably Star Wars. Otherwise, you've just got a space movie. You like if it's only the ships that are going to be recognizable, you got to have X-Wings in it or the Falcon. But if you have the Falcon in it, it's going to be a major or it's the major character. Maybe the standalone is the story of the Falcon's creation or something like that. You know, it's going coming off the assembly line. I have a feeling this ship is destined for great things. 
But I think you need a piece of the iconography in it. I'm willing to back off and say, you know, it doesn't need to be a lightsaber per se and say instead that I could very easily see a movie where it's about somebody who was a stormtrooper who walked away from the life because you have the armor and that's an easily recognizable piece of iconography. Let's take Logan, right? Mm -hmm. Logan works as a film, as a very good film, even if it's not about the guy with the claws that we love because it's just a well-constructed film. Giving him the claws makes it an X-Men movie. So if they're going to make a good standalone, they got to make a good movie and then layer that iconography on it. The guy has a lightsaber for some reason. The guy used to be a stormtrooper, those sorts of things. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right because it's got to tie back. It's got to be visual. It's got to be, oh yeah, this is a Star Wars film because it would be very easy for somebody to say, oh, I want a bounty hunter film, but it's not Boba Fett. But then you're exactly right. Oh, it's just a sci-fi film. What makes it Star Wars if it's not connected to the things that we know and love? And, you know, I'm a big fan of the lightsaber. I don't know an individual who isn't. Um, And so I would love that to be the iconography. Do you want to go in the direction of it being disconnected from the Skywalker saga or, you know, like the Emperor or anything like that? Yes. Or actually, so you do want to run in that direction. Okay. I do. I I think that the most you should ever have, like, if you want to make this a successful thing where Disney can churn these things out over time, and I know I shouldn't, why am I thinking like a businessman or something like that? But having a lightsaber doesn't mean it has to be about a Jedi. That's the only tag I'm going to put on that. Okay. The lightsaber being in it could be the driver of the plot, could be a MacGuffin that comes along at some point. It's something recognizable. It does not need to be that the character is a Jedi in hiding um, because that's just the Obi-Wan movie. Y- you know what I'm saying? I know, I know exactly what you're saying, and it's really funny because I'm catching myself going down that rabbit hole mm-hmm. that you're just, and I'm not saying this as a diss, but dismissing because you're right. I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, what could sell and what would be cool if he had a lightsaber? Maybe he's a Jedi and it's post-Order 66. And I'm like, oh, well, we're seeing that in Star Wars Rebels. We're going to see that in the Obi-Wan film if we get an Obi-Wan film. So is that that's, that's not separate. That's still the aftermath of something that's going on. You know what I would love to see uh, resurrected? And this is from the Marvel Comics, as we're talking about this, from the Marvel Comics days. There was a character, and I can't recall his name right now, but it was during the Howard Chaikin run of the Star Wars comics before he got canned and replaced by uh, Archie Goodwin. Um, and it was, you know, because he, he followed the thread of Han Solo after the, the movie adaptation. He found Han Solo more interesting. He followed Han Solo. And that's where we got, everybody knows about Jax the Green Rabbit. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, know, knows about him and, and the voluptuous woman There was also a Don Quixote type character there who had a lightsaber, who was not a Jedi, but he was convinced he was. I think it could be interesting to have a film where you have a character, maybe he's the main character or she's the main character, but it is a Don Quixote type where our iconography is the lightsaber, but they're not a Jedi, but they think they are. And so you examine, I mean, in a sense, you examine the Jedi through the lens of what somebody perceives they should be like if they're going to be one, but they're not one. And the audience knows they're not one. Do you think that's a hard sell? I think that's a very hard sell to have that be your protagonist. But 
I could definitely see that as an opener where someone inherits the lightsaber from that individual. It'd be so easy to say, oh, I got this off of this old Jedi, like to have that direct connection where it's just like, oh, I got it off of a Jedi or I inherited it from this Jedi who took care of me or something like that. That's a, that is a one degree of separation. I would love to have several degrees of separation, but then I guess that's a little evocative of The Force Awakens because Maz got it from somebody and then Rey got it from Maz. And so are we just duplicating that story? But if, but if, I, if I'm tacking that on, you know, like if I'm changing your storyline, because the Don Quixote character, I don't know if they could headline a, a, a movie in this day and mm-hmm. age with this kind of franchise. What if we turn it on its head then and uh, I'm going to step outside everything else, any business consideration or anything where I'm almost keying on 12 monkeys where you have a framing device, but in this case you have a movie and it's about a, uh, like this per this doesn't need to be the main character, but one of the characters is a Jedi. And at some point you find out not, they're not, they behave like a Jedi and they have a lightsaber. And then at some point in the story through a flashback or what have you, maybe at the end is the big reveal you find out that they're not a Jedi and they found the light, like they saw a Jedi killed and they were a kid and it made an impression and they decided they were going to use this light. They were going to be a Jedi, but they didn't understand that you had to go to the temple. You you had to mm-hmm. join the order or anything like that. So the formative, may, do we make it a, a, a story about a group of people and this Jedi is in there and we find out that's part of their story? I, I love that idea. I love the idea of making it a group instead of just focusing on one person. What, and let me know if I'm going a little crazy here. And because this is, this is all just organic storytelling. This is all just figuring out what works and figuring out what sticks. But I love that idea of someone stumbling upon a lightsaber or seeing somebody at a young age sacrifice themselves and they go, you know what? I want to be like that. I want to be that person. They have no idea what a Jedi is. They have no idea what a Sith is. They have no idea what the Force is. They don't even call it a lightsaber. But they just see something that is, makes them awestruck. The goodness of it, the sacrifice, the, the, uh, the lack of self-preservation in order to save others. It's an ideal to strive for. And they, they kind of they live by the sword without knowing what that means. Maybe through the journey of that, the dedication, this is how they become a new branch of Jedi. It's like an isolated branch of Jedi that's separate from the temple and separate from the wing. Here's a question, something to dip the toe into. And I know that we said we want to stay away from the main characters sort of thing. But this can be their story and they're living like a Jedi and they're doing these things. It would draw attention. So you could mm-hmm. make an argument, you could, and they're part of a, a group. Vader shows up at one point, and maybe this person's illusions are shattered, or I don't know what by this point, but they decide they're going to fight Vader anyway. And Vader doesn't tear through this person like butter, but plays like a cat, and the per- the person just won't. No, that, see that feels that doesn't because the thing is. 
I could have seen that happening before Rogue One, but -hmm. now that Rogue One has come out, I don't see Vader as the one to play with his kill quite so much. Yeah, I don't, I don't, the last part, like playing with the kill, being cat and mouse, it kind of sounds, the way that they're portraying Vader, it's very much like, boom, efficiency done. But I like where your brain is at. I like the idea of them gathering attention where this is, um, I once heard a story, I don't have a lot of details. For those of you who are listening, just, just bear with me here. So I once heard a story of a missionary who went to a country, a far off land, to teach the word of Jesus Christ. He went to a village. He started talking with this very spiritual man, this very wise man, and talking about Jesus Christ, and talking about what he went through, and the love that Jesus has for the world. And the individual who had never heard Jesus' name before, never heard of the Bible, never read a lick of the Bible, all of a sudden had this realization. He said, finally, he somehow knew Mm. who this person was. He felt this love for this being, this otherworldly being, this deity, but -hmm. he had no idea what to call him. And once he heard the story of Jesus Christ and the, the God of Abraham, he's like, that is who I've known. And so that story always stuck with me. And for some reason, I like the idea of kind of transplanting that into a sci-fi realm because, you know, like uh, George Lucas took a lot from the samurai in, yeah. in order to make his movies. And so what if we kind of took that, that whole translate the missionaries to the Jedi where what if, the Je- what, what if there was a Jedi who went to this far off world to do good works and somehow ended up dying before you could say who he was or what he represented and then one person or a group of people started to take his way of life or her way of life and then that that gains the attention of the sith what if the way this group forms we find out the the history of the group is that this this person saw this jedi sacrifice themselves picked up the sword and the group formed because this person became uh, a leader and said, we're going to go around doing right. And so we have a subtle seven samurai uh, illusion in the film where we have this main character who is this noble knight who goes around and gathers these others for this, you know, for whatever purpose they're together in the film, which makes me want to get to what what are they driving at where where are they going yeah. our are we going to make them seven a very blatant reference to the seven samurai that influenced star wars or do we keep the number of characters lower and what are they going after i think we keep the numbers lower so it's not as straight up you know like you don't have the blogosphere going okay i see what you're doing it's seven blah it's too obvious but i like the idea of taking illusions from that um, so the beginning of the story is this Jedi going to do good works, but then all of a sudden he dies or she dies from something, sacrificing themselves for something, and their lightsaber falls to the ground, they bury the Jedi or do whatever, they do exactly what you said, they take, like, one person takes up the lightsaber and says, we're gonna, like, the only reason why we're alive today is because of this individual, and so in order to pay homage to this individual, we're going to live 
the life that he or she um, showed us in the short time that they were here. And oh. I like the whole doing good works, but what like what is their goal as they move forward? What, you you but, sound like you have an idea. What's no, up? But but also to tie into what you said about new branch of Jedi, this winds up this person. Let, let's say it moves forward in years. This person is founding essentially their own order. It's a small number of people, but they've got their own followers now. So this is like a sect. This is like a, a yeah. Jedi-like sect that has formed uh, on this planet. Are they still on their planet or have they left their planet? I think this is a, a civilization that maybe even... Like, let's mix a little Star Trek in here. It's a pre-warp civilization mm. where... They maybe they don't have space travel, and maybe you know, like maybe they're separate. They're completely separate from the rebellion. They're completely separate from the Senate, from the Republic, whatever they are. Because maybe this is this is a civilization that was deemed unworthy of colonization or slave traders or whatever. It was just they considered it quote unquote backwoods. Well, um, I mean, I mean the the Ewoks exist. There's plenty of. You know, mm-hmm. there's plenty of precedent for that in Star Wars. Yeah, let's do something like that. Yeah. But we make them more humanoid, of course. I'm like, I'm picturing one guy, the leader, with the lightsaber, and everybody else just has like very cool swords, like they're they're metal swords. What What about uh, we have a mix though? I mean, I know that that seems like too much of an, an obvious illusion as well. But somebody could have a bow and arrow. Somebody could have a sword somebody could have a staff or do we want them all simply to have swords that you know as sort of a uh you know an homage to the sword that that fo- that they follow i kind of want it to be the homage to the sword that they follow like that's the okay. symbol like maybe they even inadvertently create like the the jedi symbol that we mm. uh that we're aware of because they focus so much on that and because if we have the bow and arrow we have the axe and everything like that all of a sudden i'm thinking they're going to be taking a ring to mount doom <laughs> okay okay fair enough fair <laughs> enough okay before we get into the crux of it because i don't want to forget this little bit like be, like we haven't established the actual storyline we haven't established the right. uh, the drama yet but you said that like they developed this sect and it gains attention, and then maybe Vader comes. What about this, where we did get Vader in Rogue One, and a lot of people are like, oh, this might usher in a stance of people overusing Vader and everything like that. So what if we, like, it does gain the attention somehow, like it's all from close-ups or side angles and everything like that, where we see an individual in a ship where they're detecting something or they're hearing whispers or they're doing investigations, it's all under a black cloak or we only see, we see somebody force choke. We see, we see a black glove hand force choking. We see the, we, we, we see the cape, you know, flowing and uh, like flowing in the background and everything like that. And we're just like, Oh my God, it's Vader. Vader is going to just eradicate these people. And in the final conflict, the hood goes off and it's Darth Maul. I like that a lot. I like that a whole lot. I want to pitch a twist on it that we've, if we wanted to keep it in the Vader era, we've already established that these people don't use the force. And if we set it, say, between Star Wars and Empire, when Vader is out hunting Luke, he hears reports 
we'll establish this somehow. But there's a report of somebody with, you know, a laser sword on this planet. And, you know, so they're going by and we have very briefly, maybe over the shoulder or something, but Vader say something to the effect of, I detect no no real danger here. You take care of it. So we basically have established that Vader doesn't, Vader is there, but Vader doesn't go to take care of this problem because he's like, you should be able to, you don't need me for this. This is just somebody to kill. This isn't the person I'm looking for. Just throw that okay. out there. But Darth Maul also is a very cool possibility, I think. Well, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to use Darth Maul is because I like the idea of doing it in the prequel age where it's even before the fan. Like, this is clearly before the Phantom Menace. And I like establishing something that far back. And also at the same time, I feel like Star Wars Rebels robbed us of the I don't I don't want to say robbed us but they prevented us from getting Darth Maul and Obi-Wan against each other in a movie so something like this might be the only way that we actually see Darth Maul on the big screen again but but I'm willing to completely concede that and get rid of it so that we can have that Vader moment and if we do go that way if you do think it's best to go that way who would be the individual to take care of this is it somebody we've never seen before is it Vader's apprentice do we make Vader's apprentice canon from <laughs> yes. you know, like from the video games? Yes, we do. Is yeah, that what we, I, maybe I, okay, that's holy crap, that's what we're doing. That is I, what we're I, doing. Right I now. wasn't going there, but I'm on board for that. We get Sam Witwer up in this piece. Boom. Yes. Yes, we do this. We holy we crap, bring we bring him in. He and he disposes of, of the Jedi hero. Mm. But the thing is, we would have to put it early enough that it's still a challenge for him, even though this person's not a force user. Maybe he overestimates his abilities and he he winds up at the end using his force abilities to wipe the person out. But he shows up and he's like, this isn't going to be a problem. And the person winds up fighting back. Or are we painting ourselves into a corner with Vader's apprentice here? We might be, but we're, we're severe. Like, I feel like if we go this route, we're severely altering the story because if you introduce Sam Witwer, you can't just have Sam Witwer show up at the end and then boom, be done. I feel like all it's either Sam Witwer's movie, like that's the movie, the Jedi, like Vader's Apprentice is the movie, yeah. or it's a half and half storyline where it's hmm. the hunt. Like we, we see Vader's Apprentice on the hunt for other Jedi while at the same time we're seeing our... So we have... 50-50 between our protagonist and antagonist. Where the protagonists are on the planet leading yeah. a new Jedi sect and then the antagonist is searching for Jedi at at Vader's behest. I'm I'm falling a little out of love with it now. Me too. Yeah. It it feels too messy. Um it feel it feels like fan service and it doesn't like you and me we're in line for this thing opening night, you know, texting each other you know, ha ha ha! I'm an hour ahead on the East Coast. Ha ha ha! I get to see it first, sort of thing. <laughs> Whereas Agent Bun or the girl see the ad for it and they say, "Eh, why would yeah. I go see this?" So, what if? Okay, you know what? Let's table that for now. Let's take. Let, we're getting bogged down in the idea, the very idea we didn't want, which was how are we going to tie it together? Let's not worry about that. Exactly, you're right because we're tying it to the main universe again. That's right. what exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Right. So what is their mission going to be? What would be a mission 
on this planet, this very, a very linear, we're setting ourselves up for a very linear plot. What becomes their mission? What can they do? What has enough implication and importance to have people come in and want to see this, spend two hours of their lives watching this story? What makes this pop for people? What have they got to do? Well, I like the idea of opening it up the exact same way that we talked about. And it's a young man. He's like, he's 20 or maybe even younger, just a teenager. And then, boom, like he flash forward, he is an older man. He's Mm -hmm. middle-aged or older. And that small group of people who was with him, you know, when he was a young man, like that group of five or four, we now see dozens of people, if not more. And they've established that we're, we're in the Jedi sect. And so I feel like something happens where we go into this old time storytelling where they're at this, they're at their setup, they're, they're at their own temple. They don't call it a temple. Everybody's there. Everybody's training. It's very, very samurai, very Jedi, but yet they don't call it that. And somebody is somebody is covered in in blood and says we need your help we need your help somebody is attacking the village is that too much of a trope yeah but it, but it's an easy one like you get audience buy in immediately and so i'm for that what if we do something of like the eaters of the dead kind of storyline like 13th warrior ish i like that i was actually going in a different direction and again not as graphic as this but a bone tomahawk type of direction Oh God. Where we could even open with, and I know you haven't seen Bone Tomahawk. If 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 anybody has seen Bone Tomahawk, uh, God bless you, because you you got to be made of stern stuff to make it through that film. It's it's pretty brutal. But the that opens with two people desecrating a burial ground, which causes the evil to come after them. The town gets caught in you know the the uh the the blowback from that and then the heroes have to go out and get them that's that's a little too western so i th- but the thing is it you you get your buy in immediately i think that we're constructing something where that simple hook is enough to get the audience to buy in but why would this villager have been brutalized to begin with what if this village has been attacked. It's a neighboring village or whatever. And the message is sent with this person basically saying, I want your, your laser sword. Love it. Love it. You have to give this up. You have to give this to me. And so we have that. And, and I think that we set the villain up to be truly frightening because the villain says, bring everybody. You're all going to die. You either come to me or I'm going to kill everybody that you love and hold dear or something like that. Come to, come to me and fight. So they, okay, so we, we kind of change this. For, like we're kind of molding Bone Tomahawk, Eaters of the Dead, maybe even little uh, King Arthur uh, with our, some Arthurian yeah. legend okay. where like there's this big baddie and he's like, okay, I'm going to destroy village after village until I get that sword. I deserve that sword. I want that sword. And so now we're going from Seven Samurai to Knights of the Round Table 
and Sword in the Stone were kind of blending all of this together in the Star Wars universe, but separate from the Star Wars universe. So this, like, they're on this quest. They know it's a trap. Like, it's not even a trap. It's just like, you know, come face me. You can either face me one-on-one or, like, with your army and defeat me and I'll stop, you know, like, terrorizing these villagers or you give me your, your laser sword. What if there's an individual, and I know I, it's just I feel like we have to do this because it's it's a Disney-owned Star Wars. What if someone is pulling the strings behind that bad guy, who because the bad guy, maybe the bad guy isn't really interested in the laser sword. He just wants that sect eradicated, and the person pulling the strings of the bad guy wants the lightsaber and knows what it's called. This puts us in prequel era territory, but I would almost toy with the idea of not really recognizable at first until he puts on his mask at the end. Nobody cared who I was till I put on the mask, but have it be grievous. That's where my brain first went to because of the whole Jedi trinkets, you know, like he yeah. he, he wants lightsabers and everything like that. Two things. I feel like it would have to be pre- prequel grievous where he before he gets all messed up mm-hmm. and you know and coughing and like where he's less machine you know like he yes has, you know something like that uh, but at the same time you're kind of like would grievous go to all this trouble just for one lightsaber what if we find out this was grievous's test to be worthy of training from count dooku and in, in the jedi because he says i've been trained in the jedi arts by your count dooku what if this is Dooku's final test for him? Can you take it from? Can you take a lightsaber from this person? This isn't even a Jedi user. I I like that. I feel like that could be the last thirty second reveal. Yeah, we don't even know about it. Like all we know is that there's this some dude, like there's yeah. some dude who's pulling the strings, and it's it doesn't even matter that it's Grievous. It really doesn't. Right. It like uh, it, that has no effect on the story. And it's really just a fan thing at the end where the guy, it's its not General Grievous, it's, you know, Sergeant Grievous. I don't know, it's Captain Grievous, whatever you want to say. Corporal Grievous. And, yeah. <laughs> and and so it's just like he, we just hear the name Grievous and then we hear the voice and it's its maybe it's the same voice actor, but not heavily distorted and everything like that. And so the real hardcore fans go, oh, but people who have no idea who Grievous is, it doesn't affect the story in the least. Have you seen the film Split by M. Night Shyamalan? Yes. That type of reveal. Okay, I like that. I, I, I get that. The, where film, like the-, the film works perfectly without it, and then at the end, it's, oh my gosh, this really happened, so that the fans are freaking out and saying, no, 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 you don't understand. That's, this is why that was so cool, that sort of thing. And the end, are we saying that the protagonist is defeated? Or maybe he, it, does he die? Or maybe he doesn't die and he just gets the lightsaber taken away? Um, you know, is, the, is there a message there? <sighs> See, that, that's the thing. That's what feels anticlimactic about it. Is to, to have the person go through all of this, even if the sting is at the end and it's grievous, then it just, it feels hollow. You do want something impactful and heroic to happen. This person has to save people with their act. Otherwise, it's just there. there there's, nothing, 
there's nothing compelling about the story without something. Yes, they're going on this voyage because it's going to save people, but you need something direct. You need to defuse the bomb. You need to save the family. You need to, you know, get the ship off the launch pad in time or something like that. What if, let's turn it on its head, they're not Jedi, but they are naturally in tune with the Force. The lightsaber is a new thing. It's never occurred to them. Lightsaber mm-hmm. is a new thing. There's only one of them. This guy has it because of the Jedi. The Jedi was there investigating this planet of huge force potential, but an evil shows up that is wiping through, and this is where it gets this gets real dark. Uh, there's like a genocide going on on the planet, and these people are stemming the tide. It's They are the ones trying to get as many people, like guard as many people as possible. So instead of them going to the villain, they're trying to be the ones to set up as many. And let's give them an army. Let's let's have a core group of people, but they're the ones trying to stop this from happening. There's the We, we wind up constructing a, a classic message that I think everybody loves in the films, which is, I don't care if I lose, and this is just a holding action, we're going to save as many people as we can before this madman comes to town and wipes us all out. I don't want to overcomplicate it too terribly much. Okay. But I feel like we might be saying the same thing like like what we said before where this guy is a big baddie. He's got the army. He's going to eradicate you know, village and village. And so it is this new Jedi's job to take care of it. What if the message? So, so what you're saying is 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 great. Like the it doesn't maybe it doesn't have to be a mass genocide. It just has to be the terrorizing village, terrorizing village, terrorizing village. What if the message at the end, like as they're going forward, maybe the the protagonist's struggle. Stay with me here. The protagonist's struggle is: Am I leading these people, or is the laser sword leading these people? And so that's his internal struggle. Am I a leader without the lightsaber? Or are just people just following the beacon, the symbol? Or is it actually me? And at the end, he, like maybe he doesn't have to die. Maybe he defeats the big baddie. Maybe Grievous takes the lightsaber before the final battle is even going on or be, before the baddie's dead because he's like, F this, I'm out. I got what I came here for. You guys and your pity little lives, you figure it out on your own. So the lightsaber's gone. And the protagonist's triumph is overcoming the big baddie without the lightsaber. And he proves himself to his men as well as the villagers that they should follow him, not just the lightsaber. Let's take Grievous out of it. Let's take any okay. major character like that out of it. He does lose the sword. He has to fight at the end. You know, he has to fight without the the magic uh, item, as it were. Let's clean it up by saying that this isn't a whole planet where this is happening. This is a group of refugees who have been hunted. And this is there. You know, we have a moment where finally and maybe it's the, the, the leader with the sword says, I'm sick of running. We keep running. The only way this person gets stopped is if we if we take a stand, we can't mm-hmm. run anymore. There's no there's nowhere left to hide. This is our last battle. We're making our declaration here. I I like the idea of taking Grievous out of it. Let's just remove that altogether. We we started this by saying let's let's not have any connection. So let's I feel like it overly complicates it, even by just referencing it and not having it 
really affect the story. Like I like that idea where so because we're we're coming up on the end here, we're rounding third. Just as a recap, a Jedi goes to this planet for whatever reason. Maybe they crash land. Who knows? Um, but they do an act of selflessness. This one man, this very young man, sees what happens. They um, the Jedi dies in sacrifice. He takes the laser sword. We flash forward twenty or thirty years later, and this guy is leading its their their own Jedi sect. And they don't call it the Jedi, but they're very samurai-like. They're maybe they don't have force powers, but they're at one with the force. And we explore that a little bit. A villager comes in and says, "This big bad guy is attacking the village," and the like the 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 leader, the protagonist is like, he's like, "Yeah, uh, this guy eradicated my village too, and that's why we're here. That's why we're in this temple because it's remote, it's separate." Then his followers are like okay, well, let's just find a new place. And he goes, no, we're not finding a new place. He eradicated our home and he is going to eradicate more people's homes. This is their last stand. He goes, we'll fill out the, like you can fill out the middle here in a second uh, if you want to add anything. He goes and he has that that moment. He has that internal struggle. Are, are my people following the sword? Are they following me? And then he finds, like, the, the lightsaber is damaged, it's destroyed, it's eradicated, but he's still able to defeat the bad guy and prove to himself as well as his followers that he is the true leader. Let's streamline it even more. Let's go ahead and put it prequel-ish era, post-prequel, but before original trilogy. The Jedi's on the run, so our okay. Jedi dies in the beginning. We don't have a big baddie, per se. We have... Stormtroopers, a legion, a shipload of stormtroopers shows up. Our big baddie is an Imperial colonel or something like that. And that so we don't have a huge we don't have a dedication to a con like a, a you know, a Kanunian Singh or some kind of baddie like that. It's simply about we can have these people even talk about this stand matters because they need to understand that it doesn't matter how many guns and troops that they have. People are tired of this and people will eventually fight back. And, you know, so we're going to make our stand here against that force. And that way we have a ton of stormtroopers in it. And we can have a, we can have that very kinetic battle at the end without having to worry about, you know, the, the one-on-one of evenly matched uh, warriors or something like that. But how do we do this flash forward? How do they develop the sect? How do they grow their own Jedi sect if it all happens right then and there? If the Oh, it doesn't the happen storm. right then and there. The the Jedi's been on the run and as as she dies, she says, They're gonna find me. I ran as far as I could, they're gonna find me. And so it becomes maybe it almost becomes a part of their their order is almost fatalistic where they said someday the evil is going to come here and it's up to us oh. to stop them. Oh, oh yes, I like that. I like that a lot. That brings us into our main plot line without having any major characters, and we have our big battle at the end, and we have our message of belief and fighting for something right no matter what. I, I love I love how clean it is. So what if it's clone troopers? are tracking this Jedi, kill this Jedi, they inadvertently kill the clone troopers and they're like, okay, more are going to come. And all of a sudden, it's New Order troopers flash forward 30 years later. And our main baddie 
is a clone trooper because they've established, you know, in the t- if we want to worry about establishing in the timeline and the ancillary materials, they've established that there were certain clone troopers who kept serving. I don't know what the tie-in is or something. It's the commander who sent those clone troopers off after that Jedi, and he's been he has spent the rest of his career. What happened to my men? Where are they? Who killed them? Let's go get them. And so we have our motivation for our villain too, our the head of the the stormtrooper legion or whatever. And like he does everything that we said the big baddie does. Like maybe he terrorizes village just to get those guys out of hiding in order to get his prize of the lightsaber. And our big reveal at the end that's uh, eye candy for the fans is he takes his helmet off for the final fight, and it's Tamara Morrison. Yep. Yeah. Sounds great to me. So, Sold. and they can keep this, we can keep everything. We can keep the ending about the whole, is it me? Is it the lightsaber? They defeat the, the New Order troopers. They defeat the clone troop, the old clone trooper. And then boom, that's our story. Love it. Love it to death. Sold. All right, well, there you go, folks. Uh, That is our story. It took almost an hour to carve it out of the rock, but uh, we, both John and I, knew it was there. We just have to whittle away what doesn't work, and that's my favorite thing about writing and pop culture. Now, John, where can we find you? Look for Kessel Junkie. He's floating out there on the Internet. Uh, As you mentioned uh, at the top of the show, I'm right here on the network on Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast uh, with Matthew Rushing. I'm on Great Shot Kid with Mike Schindler looking at the technical and inspirational uh, side of the, the, the Star Wars saga and what went into creating it. I'm over on the Trek FM network, also with Mike Schindler look, on Stage 9 looking at Star Trek and what has gone into creating it from the perspective of the creators there. So where can people find you, Tristan? Well, you can find me on Twitter at the Insane Robin, and you can also find me elsewhere on the network on my show Nerd Nuptial, which is a show that I host with my wife. And you can find out all of our episodes at thenerdparty.com as well as of all of our other shows. We got, we got stuff coming at you every single day of the week, so you should definitely check it out. Now, uh, I have no idea what's going to happen next week, but if it's anything like what we did here today, John, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.